Aloha and welcome to the Jeff Reinbold Show. We have our draft guru as always with us, Ali Hodgkinson from Pro Football Network. Ali is going to help me dissect the first position we're going to look at on defense. And we're going to look at these guys first because you build great defenses as, as uh, many defensive coaches have told me. You start interior and then you work from there. And, you know, this is a group that is not without a little bit of controversy and not without a little bit of depth. And there's a couple that I think we're going to have some fun talking about as we get into this group. So welcome, Ali Hodgkinson from Pro Football Network. How are we doing, Jeff? Looking forward to talking about these defense, this defensive tackle class. Like you say, there's some there's some controversy. There's some red flags. There's some red hot talent as well. So I'm looking forward to, to getting into them. Well, let's get into the talent, the most talented guy, in my opinion, in this class and the most controversial guy in this class. And as we look at this, we talk about the process, right? When we were talking about the centers and guards last week, you talked about how guys have picked up traction during the process. Nobody really stays the same or very rarely does a guy stay the same through the draft process, draft evaluation process, the senior bowl, the combine, the personal workouts, the visits, all of the stuff. But nobody has had a rockier, in my opinion, a rockier process than Jalen Carter, the 6'3", 300-pound, in my opinion, clearly best defensive lineman in this, interior defensive lineman in this class, who has had been, you know, arrested. He's been, he did not have a great pro day. And how far he'll fall, remain or if he'll fall, remains to be seen. What's your take on Jalen Carter? Let's start with Jalen Carter, the football player, because that's the the bit that is exciting and we can get passionate about without feeling a little bit sad about it too. Um, because Jalen Carter, as, a, as an evaluation on the field for what he's done for Georgia, has been incredibly exciting. Um, you, you think back to the 2022 NFL draft cycle and you think about Jordan Davis, that incredible athletic freak, out of Georgia, who was so dominant throughout the process and was a first-round pick of the Philadelphia Eagles. And while all that was going on, it was like, well, actually, he's he's not even the best defensive tackle on his own team, and that's because Jalen Carter exists. And and Jalen, when you you look at the tape for Jalen Carter, this is a kid with at six foot three and three hundred and twenty-three pounds, as he measured in at his pro day, three fourteen at the combine. He's he's kind of fluctuated, but anywhere between three hundred and three, sort of twenty-five. Remarkable first step, remarkable explosive athlete, remarkable quick feet, lateral agility. The snap timing is incredible. The speed for a guy of his size is impressive on tape. Then he's got the the length, the strength, the power, the punch power to to really just shock and annihilate guys. You know, this is a kid who you watched like Georgia versus Tennessee last year, and this is a kid who is six foot three, absolutely brutalizing guys who were well, anyone they came up against. And uh, he's got a decent pass rush arsenal. He's got a good understanding of of angles to take against the run to get the job done in the the run game. He's been dominant 
in the dominant conference as you know we've we've referenced the sec multiple times while we'll talk about offensive linemen and and the the sec guys to go against this is one of the a guy that's been one of the best of the best for the past couple of seasons for, for georgia football and there's a lot a lot of, of positives to take away from what jalen carter does on the football field that this is not you know, a, a guy who's generational is the word that gets thrown around this. He's not a guy that's complete as he comes out of a college football environment on the field. You know, there are some issues you see on his, his tape. He sometimes struggles with balance issues. Some of that is a, a combination of kind of his footwork and that that's all coachable stuff though. Um, but then we come to the, what has made this process so rocky for Jalen Carter and, you know, there was reports even before um, his arrest that there was some character concerns and they were very quickly countered by people inside the Georgia football program who said, look, this is a kid who who bought a walk-on, his, um, paid, for, uh, paid for a walk-on to eat for the season and he does this for his team. And, and Nolan Smith, the NFL combine, Nolan Smith, the, the fantastic edge rusher out of Georgia, went to bat for his teammate at the Combine and talked about the character that he is and what he's been as a teammate. And then the very same day, Athens County Police have got out an arrest warrant for Jalen Carter for his part in the the car crash that killed teammate Devin Willock and a a staffer at Georgia, Chandler LaCroix. And that arrest warrant and the details behind that arrest warrant start adding to the red flags for NFL teams when they come to evaluate Jalen Carter. This is a kid who was out racing um, from, from the, the details of the arrest warrant, was racing and in the crash that, that killed him. Now, he wasn't driving, wasn't directly responsible, but when you're entering it, you're racing illegally on streets, there's an element of responsibility. There's an element of culpability. You're involved in that situation, if not directly. And NFL teams are really going to have to do their due diligence around Jalen Carter as to, excuse me, what does that, what does that involvement look like? What does that behavior look like? Is this a pattern of behavior with Jalen Carter? Um, you look at Stetson. Is, is it a pattern of behavior with the Georgia football program? Because you look at Stetson Bennett getting arrested for essentially knock it or run, as you'd call it in this country, um, after a few beers. There's a few red flags with the Georgia football program and and its ability to keep their players in in check. You know, you got to remember these kids are kids. They arrive on campus at 17, 18. I know what I was doing at 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, and beyond. Um, there's, you know, you've got to kind of weigh that in as well. Um, but there's there's some some question marks. Let's put it that way. Then yeah, the pro because, day, you, yeah. you 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 reference the pro day as well, Jeff. Like this is a kid who the the pro day and the combine are a part of a job interview. Like if I turn up to a job interview and I do terribly, do I stand as good a chance to get the job as someone who's looked at my resume and gone, "Well, your resume is great." If I turn up and I've got egg on my shirt tie, I, I ain't going to get that job. And and that's essentially what Jalen Carter did at the Georgia pro day. Like he, this kid who was such an athlete, tested not great. He rocked up at nine pounds heavier than he'd been at the combine, which was not that long before. So you, it comes back to what we were talking about in the uh, offensive lineman show. 
can you just say no how do you control what you eat and how you you know there's a lot that goes into this process so the teams will be questioning that element of of what what you know what is what who is Jalen Carter now you've got to bear in mind this this kid has been around a loss of life at the age of 21 you know that's a lot to to deal with at this point in what is essentially like we say the greatest job into his life you can't just you can't just chastise Jalen Carter's pro day performance because there's a lot going on behind the scenes but at the same time it is a part of the process he knows it's a part of a process a part of the job interview there's there's a lot at play with Jalen Carr and, and you do wonder how NFL teams will look at using a top three top five top ten pick because those are the money picks. These are the picks that make and break head coaches' careers, GMs' careers, the whole destination of, a, of an NFL franchise. And yeah, you know, that's, there's, and, there's and a lot I think, there. I think what's more alarming to me is that the incident after, and you know, this is the night after they celebrate their national championship win and they go out and they're racing and then two people die right that's not his first incident with speeding right so when you look at that there's a pattern right so it's irresponsible behavior and then and i'm not chastising the kid i'm just reading the news right i'm just reading the the news then you go to the combine and obviously, it's a prepared statement that you read or release to the press. That's not you didn't write it. You can tell by the way it's written some lawyer somewhere in the bowels of the athletic department at Georgia or his agent or whoever wrote it. And then you show what you should. And I'm sure that, you know, the Georgia football people pulled him in and said, hey, listen, now you're you're costing yourself money. Right. And you may cost yourself an opportunity, depending on how that thing goes in court. But what you need to do now is you need to blow everybody away with your pro day. And what does he do? Comes in nine, nine or 11 pounds heavier than he was a month ago. And that's not muscle weight because it didn't translate into your testing. And those are the things that concern me if I'm talking about giving away a first round pick for a guy. Now, When you put the tape on, no question. I mean, he is, you know how we always like to do like player comparisons. My like player comparison for Jalen Carter was Chris Jones because he's one of those rare guys that size and movement ability where he could go out like they did with Jones in the playoffs and put him outside at end and let him rush against, you know, use him as a mismatch tool outside against weaker offensive tackles. But again, teams are going to have to wade through this thing and they're going to have to, there's going to be, so that the fans understand how this kind of works. When you've got one like this, who's got a checkered history, there's going to have to be a lot of sign off all the way up to the owner, probably with this guy, the position coach, the coordinator, the head coach, the personnel department, the general manager, and the owner are going to have to sign off on this kid. So there, he's got some work to do to get people back on his side because I, he reminds me of when we go back to, if you if you can remember when Warren Sapp was coming out of Miami, there were questions about his issues off the field. And he 
dropped the 12 and he was the best player in the draft and he dropped the 12 because people were just scared of him. I will tell you that I know for a fact, cause I saw it and I won't say what player it was, but the Rams, I saw the it written right across the top of their draft board. No way a guy that w- will be a hall of famer because they didn't want to deal with, they didn't feel like at that point in their development as a team, that they could take on that much baggage. Now, another team did, and the guy turned in to be a great player. But again, with a lot of baggage along the way. So teams are going to have to make a decision about which way they're going to go with this guy. Let's talk about these two guys at Clemson. Now, it's rare, rare when you have two interior defensive linemen that – are as highly thought of as Miles Murphy and and Brian Breeze are for for Clemson. And I can't, I I mean, I wonder in the ACC, how in the world anybody ever ran the ball 10 feet against them, (laughs) 10 yards with those two guys inside. Yeah, and the thing is as well with Clemson, I I think Miles Murphy transitions more to, and and they played him a, a lot on the edge as well for Clemson. The Clemson bring back, Tyler Davis, they bring back Ruke. I've added a few extra rooms in for effects, but they they bring back Tyler Davis, they bring it back Ruke. They return quite like two guys who would start on the defensive interior for most most teams, like week in, week out, down in, down out, because Brian Brazil is this incredible six, five and a half, best part of 300 pounds. Tall, long, strong, powerful, athletic, former five-star recruit who is uh, an absolute freak in in a lot of respects. He's got uncommon acceleration for a kid of his size. His ability to just sidestep blockers with his lateral agility is, is incredible. His body control, lateral agility, the change of direction that Brian Brzee can um, generate out of that frame is it just I come back to the word uncommon because because that's what it is. <laughs> Excuse me. He's you see the speed in pursuit against the run game as well. You see the length in against the run game with his ability to wrap up as a tackler. He's played, um, and th- this comes back to your point with Miles Murphy. They've been able to interchange Brazil and Miles Murphy because Brian Brazil can play at five tech at six five and a half. 298 pounds as well as he can play on the nose at zero tech um he's strong he's powerful um i, I love brian Brzee. he's not without his red flags there's the medical history obviously tore his acl in two torn his acl in 2021 he's had some other health issues i think it was a, like a kidney infection that caused quite a scare last season um he can be prone to playing a little upright. I think there's room for technical improvement. I think this is a kid who relies, he knows he's stronger, he knows he's faster, he knows he's more powerful than most of the guys he's going to go against. And he utilizes that more than he uses any technical refinement. But I think I think Brian Brazil is the, the third best defensive tackle prospect in this class. I think he's a close third third best. Uh, like I say I think Miles Murphy ends up playing as a a big defensive end, the big four three defensive end, um, with his skill set, and, and and that's been his predominant usage for Clemson as well. Yeah, I, I think that, that uh, if you want to, like you say, a uh, uh, you're a 3-4 team. 
you know, and and certainly there are a number of them now in the National Football League. Uh, Murphy Murphy fits the bill there. I don't see him being able to slide in and play two eye or play zero nose. I, I just don't think he's got that kind of physicalness inside. I hate. Uh, I, I want to. You know, I, I you know I don't like fat players, and you know I love Polynesian players. So I'm going to go to a guy, and the only like comparison I could make to this guy is Holoti Nata, who obviously had a great NFL career at Detroit and Baltimore and all over the place. But Siaki Ika at Baylor, 6'4", 358 pounds. I, I, I love this kid. Yeah, me too. I um, I spent a little bit of the summer um, doing Sayakika's uh, summer sky report, and it was one of the most fun days of watching film that I think I've ever had. Um, he epitomizes the two on me, somebody's free expression because you're going to attract a lot of double teams action when you're as big and athletically gifted as Sayakika is. He just he's a monster that just allows his his teammates to thrive. And when you come back to Jordan Davis last year in this class, that's what Jordan Davis did. He was a guy who would attract double, even triple teams at time. And he just allowed all those athletic, hyper-athletic edge rushers to thrive. Baylor didn't have as many as athletic edge rushers as Georgia did last year or any year. But that's what he did. This is a kid who is competitively tough, as you would expect from a kid with his background, a kid with his size and, and, um, athletic capability he's a hustler who you know i i can remember a game i can't remember who it was against but i watched saika hold up two guys at the line of scrimmage and then just appear as if out of nowhere about 20 30 yards down the field like absolutely obliterating the running back hustling back to the ball it was, it was incredible he's very impressive in a number of facets of the game um, he got a good. He's got a good pass rush toolbox. He's fast and accurate with his hands. He's um, against the run. I think he's got. It shows great play recognition against the run. We talked about in um, the offensive interior offensive lineman. We talked to get about the guy at TCU, Steve Avila, who's all aggression and and no holdback. I say he can, he can, he's, he can be aggressive. He can flatten a guy, but he's incredibly patient. He's got this slowly, slowly catch a monkey um, ability about him. And when he's diagnosing the run game, I really think he's rare to see at a college level. You want to, you want to just, you always want to see ball, get ball. But he's got the ability to kind of rein that in. Um, I particularly like the way he used his length to disrupt passing lanes as well. Really good job of getting up and getting in the passing lane. Now, you mentioned his size there at the start. He actually measured in significantly smaller than that at the NFL Combine, which I thought was kind of crazy. Um, his Combine performance wasn't as I certainly expected, because you look at his tape, you see a guy who is very explosive for his size, a guy who has shown he can be quick down, like coming back, working back in pursuit against the run game. He didn't test great. And sometimes when you look at his tape, the ability to finish um, isn't always there, both against the passing game and the run game. Um, and because he's such a big unit of a man, 
sometimes that chest is is there it's exposed for offensive linemen to get into and he kind of lose he leaves that chest open as well at times but i think this is a this is a kid who i would be surprised even with the combine testing as it was and not quite as great as, as some people expected i'd be surprised if he's still knocking around after the second round i really would i you know what when i watched him play i i just and again I, I, because I, I always default to the film. Uh, you know, I remember the Bills not being able to stop the run. You know, they, they, they got, they're undersized inside. They've tried to find guys to come in and play and be stout in there. And this kid, to me, if, if I'm the Bills, I'm going to, I'm going to spend a lot of time on this guy because this is the kind of guy that they need, you know, um, Ed Oliver is a short, you know, quick, you know, move around guy. But when those guys get zone blocked, where they get double teamed and knocked off into the linebackers, and you know, you when you look at the build, Milano's a college strong safety. He's not a big guy. When he gets bodies up on him, he he, he has struggles. And the same thing, you know, was was true throughout their linebacker core. And so they need somebody that can come in on first downs. And, and this kid's not a liability as a pass rusher, but I'm, I'm telling you, they need this kind of guy in Buffalo. And now, again, would they, you know, you look at the Bills and a Super Bowl-ready team in a lot of positions, they keep Poyer, you know, they've got, you know, they've got talent all around. Great quarterback, great young quarterback who can make all the throws. You know, Stephon Diggs outside. But if you can't stop the run and you don't have the ability to run the ball, which are two things that the Bills have struggled with because they're not physical enough on the line, their line play isn't good enough, particularly inside. You know, I think this is a this is a guy that they've got to take a look at. Who who are your other guys? I, 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 there are a couple guys that were interesting to me, and I know you're a you are a junkie of junkies. Like you, you are a football guy and you love your maction, right? And there's a kid in the Mac that, that has, you know, like Carl Brooks at Bowling Green. What's your take on Brooks? Yeah. I think um, you look at a guy who is an elite athlete. That's what Carl Brooks is. I don't believe it. I, I, can't, I still can't believe now to this minute that we're talking that he failed to get a combine invite like even after he went to you know we went to on the all-star game circuit showed out showed that maxim belongs in these conversations and there, there's a number of great prospects coming out of the mac this year especially from a, a defensive standpoint um but i i don't think Cole brooks could have done anything more than what he did he's done in this process and still the nfl refused to extend the combine invite to him but there was a lot of nfl scouts in attendance at the bowling green pro day i don't think that's something you say every year and um and they're all there to watch carl brooks because this is a kid who is he's hyper athletic he's made a living getting into the the opposition backfield he's strong and he's powerful i mean he's he's gonna be a steal for a team, I think, and on the third day of the NFL draft, I really do. 
Yeah, you know, and you mentioned, and, and guys get downgraded because of level of competition. I get it, right? You're not playing against the, the best offensive linemen in America week in and week out. And I remember going to Khalil Max Pro Day at the University of Buffalo, and there was one general manager in attendance that day, and it was Reggie McKenzie from the Raiders, and Joey Porter was there, and, you know, the, who at that time was the uh, – you know, the outside backer coach with the Steelers. And, and, you know, there were a number of coaches there. And that kid just absolutely blew everybody away at, the, at his pro day. And, and I think Brooks has those kinds of skills. I'm not saying he's as, as explosive. I, I, Khalil Mack's first step was amazing, right, yeah. when you saw it in person. Now, I don't know if Carl Brooks is that's, that category. But this guy's – I mean, he went to the senior bowl – the guy, the guy's a guy. I mean, how in the world they have 300 and some athletes at the combine and he's not one of the top 300. I have no idea unless there's something that we don't know about in the kid's history. But I, I, I was not able to find out any negatives that, you know, injuries, character, whatever. And the tape tells you he's a guy, but you know, for whatever reason, the NFL didn't really look at him that highly. Um, all right. How about when's the last time you had a six foot defensive lineman be in the conversation? It be in this conversation. Now the whole I'm 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 gonna, I'm gonna pump the brakes here <laughs> because he went to the same school that this kid did, but <clears throat> I'm not, and he ain't that guy. But when I watch uh, Kalija Clancy at Pitt. That's a pretty good football player. That's that's. I think that's an understatement. I really do for Kalaji Kansi because I, I think he's more than a very good football player. He's an excellent football player. And now you know the guy I was comparing him to, don't you? Well, I, I think this there's, there's a comparison that's been made once or twice for Kalaji Kansi, which I is. I think when you come out of the University of Pittsburgh now and forevermore, there is. Just that hanging over you as a defensive lineman. You have got that specter of Aaron Donald. Because people said it about Jalen Twyman. I remember Jalen Twyman coming out of the University of Pittsburgh. And, you know, he was small. He was undersized. But he was very explosive. And he had a whole bunch of tools in his toolbox. And Jalen Twyman then went and got shot in the backside um, after he'd been drafted by the Minnesota Vikings. But that's by the by. Kalaja Kansi is an incredible football player in his own merit before just cast aside all the comparisons or the wannabe comparisons to Aaron Donald and, and just focus on what Kalijah Kansi does as a football player, because this is one of the most explosive defensive tackles. I, I think we've seen in recent years, that first step is in, incredible. He's routinely like the first man you watch, you watch pit tape, and he's like, if you don't see Kalaja Kansi first, you need to go and start watching something else. Because this this kid is just, it immediately pops off tape every time you put pit tape on. The elite lateral ability, like just gap jumping from, it's just close your eyes and Kalaja Kansi was there, but now he's, he was in the A gap, now he's in the B gap. He was, you know, don't close your eyes while you're watching this kid because you're going to lose track of where he is because he's that explosive, fast, he's that, laterally agile um 
the body control to knife between tackles is it it's a blocker should I say not to knife between tackles to knife between blockers is incredible he makes him he is skinnier but he makes himself skinnier um with that body control his balance is great his pad level is great for a kid who is well six foot one 285 pounds this was the big mystery of the combine for me was it actually undersold what Kalaja Kansi was because they listed him at like six foot two seventy something. It came in, he grew an inch after he left Pitt. He stuck on a little bit of weight as well. And um, but for for a kid who is going to be called an undersized defensive tackle because essentially that's what he is, he anchors well as a run defender. And when you come out of the University of Pittsburgh, you kind of come out blessed with pass rush toolbox, and that's what Kalaja Kansi has got advanced swim move like this kid could swim across the channel is that this swim move is that advanced his pass rush but what what i like about kalaja Kansi even more is that he knows how to use what he's got like he will combine moves he can counter moves and these are the things that like just throw out the fact that aaron donald played at pit or kalaja Kansi is a small guy he he's gonna blow your socks, and he blew the socks off the NFL Combine. Like four point six seven forty yard dash, that one point six four ten split, which was just mind boggling for most people to comprehend. If you watch Kalaja Kansi play football, you see it. That is that's that's what he is. Now the size is gonna, you know, is gonna be a question mark for a lot of NFL teams. The ability to consistently win at the NFL level because of that size. Is he going to be able to do it? I think he can. I think he's demonstrated with, you know, that technical understanding of the game combined with the explosiveness. The only thing that I, I, when I watched his tape as it pertains to his size was in the run game, you saw him get washed out. Not often, not all the time, but it was noticeable at times that he was a smaller guy going to battle. You know, he's seeding 50 pounds to some of these guys. With all the goodwill in the world, that's a lot to seed. And um, well, I, I tell you, Ali, the thing that makes him hard for me to evaluate when I looked at the kid was, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Narduzzi fan. I'm going to tell you that because those kids are tough. They're well coached. They're going to give you effort. Um, but schematically what they do because they blitz so much of the time and what you don't see from him sometimes because of the scheme i'm not saying he can't do it but it's hard to evaluate because he's jumping gaps all the time because of you know he may start in a b gap end up in the a gap because somebody else is going to take the b gap on a run through right so you don't know is okay is that instinct or is that scheme right he would have to this kid i think you know, I remind, I think about Ed Oliver when Ed Oliver was coming out of Houston and, you know, same, same type of guy, right? Extremely disruptive, extremely quick, hard to block, great motor. And he has struggled at times in the NFL because of the size issue that you just can't get away from, you know, now, this kid's got, I think his testing numbers are better than Oliver's testing numbers were, but they're, again, they're the same kind of guy. I would not be afraid of him in the right scheme, in the right job. You know, I don't know if he's a three down defensive tackle in the national football league. I just don't, I I mean, 
he, he's more of a situational guy, but boy, oh boy, when, when you put the tape on, there is no question, um, you know, that he's a football player. And I mean, a really, really good football player. Here's another one. I think is a really good football player out on the West coast. Another, another of my Polynesian guys, Tuli Tuli Pelotu. What's your, what's your take on the big six, four, 300 pound Trojan out of USC? Well, this is this is it with um, a number of these guys. You you talked about Miles Murphy out of Clemson, um, <clears throat> talking about guys that are like Kalaja Kansi and Tommy Adebowale out of Northwestern, who are like small defensive tackles, but they would be big edge players. Um, and you know, Northwestern played Adebowale at edge, and he's probably going to be three tech at the NFL level. They can be difficult to evaluate at times, but I think Tuli Tua Peloto is one of the more underrated prospects in this NFL draft class. You don't hear the the buzz and the hype about him like you do. Um, look, you, you, you look back to last year, Drake Jackson, when he came out of USC, this was a guy that people were talking about being a first-round pick before the start of the 2022 college football season. Well, Tuli Tua Peloto comes in and smashes... You know, all numbers of production um, that the that Jackson did for USC. Very different player, I would say. But, you know, there was all this hype for Drake Jackson and there's no, never been any of that for, for Tuli Tua Peloto. But he can play and has played everywhere from one to Hector all the way out wide nine. His explosive first step is, um, <clears throat> excuse me, He's got the speed to be a threat as an edge rusher. And he's got the ankle flexion and the flexibility to be an edge rusher. But he's also solid and powerful and strong enough to, to come in and give interior guys a, you know, a real hard time. He's you know he's got the length on him. He's got the power of the explosion, the speed. And there's there's not a there's not a lot not to love about Tui Tua Pelotu for me. I was well, that, what a great what a great sporting family and. Personal family as well. I, I was lucky enough to speak to Marlon Tuli Pelotu when he came out of USC. He ended up getting drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles, and just a a, a humble but also confident guy. And that's you know that's the nature of the family. And you you talk about evaluating the people behind the football player, like the you're not gonna. There's no red flags where. To really to a Pelotu's concern. You know, he, he again, like comparison <clears throat> to a guy that that personally I like very much and <clears throat> played at the University of Hawaii, Ma'atana Vasa, who went on and had a great career in the NFL, <clears throat> has two Super Bowl rings with the Broncos, led the Broncos in sacks one year during that run with with uh, John Elway and all those guys. And Ma'a was the same kind of guy. Right. He, he had great position flexibility, could play anywhere from zero to, you know, to five. And <clears throat> but just that suppleness, the explosiveness, the physicalness, the really, really, really a good football player. I think this Tui Piloto kid is is, a, is that same kind of guy. Who's your guy that you like? Who's who's the one that, that I haven't talked about that is is one that you really, really fancy? The um, there's a, there's a number of defensive tackles in this class that are intriguing for one reason or another. I really like Keanu Benton out of Wisconsin. Um, we've talked about little guys on the inside with Kalaja Kansi and and the like. 
this ain't no little guy. <laughs> they don't make them. They don't make them little. You don't play for Wisconsin if you're little. Um, but Keanu Benton, six foot four, three hundred and fifteen pounds, um, very athletic. Um, pass rush ability, first step quickness is incredible. His ability to generate power is incredible. I think he's a kid that hasn't received a lot of um, a lot of attention yet, or in the early stages of the NFL draft process. But I think he is uh, the more exposure people get to Keanu Benton. I struggle to see a guy who makes it beyond the early reaches of round three. I think he's a guy who could be taken in the second round if there's the right team that are there that want him. Um, I'm just thinking about guys later on in in this class as well. A guy like uh, Nevada, we talk about small defensive tackles. Nevada's Don Peterson. Um is not not much more than six foot wide. He's kind of similar size to Clyde Cancy, but does you know almost similar things, but not quite to the same degree. And I think teams will probably or analysts will probably overlook him. Um, but he'll, he'll be a late round steal. A small school guy like Devonshire Maxwell out of Chattanooga. Um, who he's had some exposure on the All Star Games uh, circuit. I'm hearing I mean, a buzz about. I'm hearing a buzz about that kid. I'm hearing yeah, some people, they like had, him. So, so we had some we had guys on the ground at, uh, in Las Vegas for the Shrine Bowl, and um, I I was lucky enough to um, flip through the interviews to to kind of pick out some key quotes and stuff. It took me about the best part of an hour to narrow down the key quotes from Devonshire Maxwell, um, because he was such a well spoken kid who talked passionately about the game, but was open to talking about himself off the field as well. And when you come from a small school, you need to make as loud a noise as possible. But he did it in 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 a way that was, like, you know this kid is intelligent about the game of football. You know he's well-rounded off the field as well. And um, he, he was a guy that I kind of looked at for the previous draft cycle, and then he returned to Chattanooga. Um, and I think he's he's going to be a day three guy that probably has a long NFL career ahead of him. You know, that's a great, great observation that you made about a small school guy. Uh, he's going to have to sell people that he loves football, you know, because the transition is going to be something for him. You know, it's 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 a big step when you come from Georgia. It's a big step when you come from Alabama. It's a big step when you come from Florida. Well, it's a giant leap when you come from Tennessee, Chattanooga. And that's not to say that it can't be done because that's where Terrell Owens was from. But you're going to have to show, you're going to have to demonstrate not only that you have the physical ability, but you love football and that you're going to be able to get in there and battle. I'm telling you, training camp is a freaking grind. It's a beast and it'll eat you alive if you really don't love football. It'll be absolutely remiss of me as well to speak to guys who love football to let Coastal Carolina defensive tackle Gerard Clark go unspoken about on this um, this podcast because th- this is a kid who absolutely showed out at the combine, not just from a pure testing standpoint, uh, which I know is a bugbear of yours, Jeff, but out on the field. You watch Big Grizzly go to work. This is a kid who is 340 pounds off the top of my head. 
his fluidity of movement is incredible. And when you go back and watch watch Coastal Carolina's tape, he's a very technically sound and technically advanced defensive tackle prospect who's got the high athletic upside, has got, you know, ability to to, um, to get after the passer, but also be stout against the run. And you don't hear anyone talking about it at all. Um, and he, I think he absolutely showed out at the combine. It would surprise me if if he's a kid that isn't um, kicking around on day three that an NFL team picks up and get him in a training camp. Seems like a great personality um, on and off the field. He's been a leader of that um, Coastal Carolina defensive front um, for the past couple of seasons as well. Um, I, I'm intrigued to see how the NFL views a guy like Gerald Clark. Yeah, I, there's going to be a number of these guys. Now, when we look at this group, let's let's put a cap on this group. You say one, two first rounders in this group. I think it all depends on what how the NFL sees Kalijah Kansi because I think there's a potential that Jalen Carter goes first round, that Brian Brzee goes first round. I think there's a potential that Kalijah Kansi goes first round as well, depending on how the NFL views that 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 size. I think you look at mock drafts, the the number of mock drafts that are out there with Kalijah Kansi being a guy in the in the first round. There's people who are attuned into the league more, certainly more than I am, who have Kalijah Kansi in the in the first round. And from a pure talent perspective, that's certainly where it belongs. So I think there's I think there's three guys. A guy we haven't talked about. Uh, we're not going to keep going on because we could be here all night. Marzi Smith out of Michigan. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I mean, what more you got to do? He, this is a kid who was a Feldman's freak for his athletic ability, who is playing on a fantastic defensive front in Michigan, who in the right circumstance, in the right situation, I think it would be rich for me. It would be very rich for me for him to go first round. But there's, there's, there's kind of that chitter chatter in the background. Um, I think three three first round defensive tackles is going to be the, is the sweet spot, I think. All right, I'm going to bet you a beer that it's two and – um, but I do think that this, it depends on, you know, some of these guys are going to get pushed down because of the quarterbacks and, you know, how that always works. But, uh, you know, I think this is a, I think this is a nice group of athletes, a deep group of athletes. I think if you need defensive tackle help, this is a group of guys that you, you're going to find some players in this bunch, certainly. Uh, Ali, it's always a pleasure having you. Great job again. Tell the fans where they can subscribe to follow you, how to how to get more of your incredible draft knowledge. Uh, so you can follow me on uh, social media, mainly on Twitter, at OJ Hodgkinson. And if you go to profootballnetwork.com, you'll find all the draft and NFL news from Pro Football Network there. And if college football is your bag, collegefootballnetwork.com, the new home of college football. Um, is where you'll find most of my work after this draft cycle. Well, if you are a guy that loves college football, then you got to follow Ali because there is. I'm telling you, I, I'm I'm a nut for the game, and I'm a you know I'll lock myself in and watch tape for hours. But this man right here is he is legit, and he is the best draft guy going. And we are so fortunate to have him on on the show. Thanks again, Ali. Let's move out to the edge where the money's made in and again we got a bunch of them so uh, i think it's going to be fun next week when we deal with our edge players we're into defense now not very much longer till we stack our board and then it's the people's draft 
here on the Jeff Reinbold Show. So aloha.